Experience the beauty and emotion of Lent and Easter with Christianity Today's newest devotional, Easter, in the everyday. Thoughtful readings from a variety of pastors, theologians, and writers invite you into the emotional stages of Christ's journey, from humility to hope to love. Beginning on Ash Wednesday and ending at Pentecost, this digital devotional is perfect for individual or group study. Get it today at orderct.com slash easter24. This episode is brought to you in part by Zondervan, publisher of Think Ahead, seven decisions you can make today for the God-honoring life you want tomorrow. Written and narrated by Craig Groeschel and available everywhere audiobooks are sold. Hello, this is Russell Moore, and you're listening to Signposts. Earlier this year, I did a post about things that I'd learned in 20 years of ministry because I realized, looking through some things, that it had been 20 years since my ordination. And and that, I went back and I looked at my ordination certificate, and I was looking at all of the names of the people who had, who had signed that certificate, many of them with the Lord now. And it, it prompted me to think about ordination vows which is, is something that in my tradition, in the free church, Baptistic tradition, uh, you don't hear very much about ordination vows. As a matter of fact, I'm not sure that I've ever heard anything about ordination vows, but it's something we should reclaim. And, and here's why I say that, because in my ordination, uh, what we had was a fairly low-key time of questioning. The men of the, the church, the ordained men of the church, came together to question me on my theology and on my uh, personal walk with, with Christ and so forth. They all knew me, and they knew me very well. Some of them uh, in the room had known me uh, since I was born. Others had been serving with me in ministry for a couple of years, and so they knew me well. It wasn't so much about the particular questions and what my answers to them would be. It was that there was one elderly man in the congregation, a, a deacon, who in that, in that ordination council, he said to me, are you ever going to have lunch with a woman who's not your wife? And I said, I guess not. And he said, uh, he said son... Always do whatever you can not to end up in moral failure or in doctrinal failure. And he said, don't ever go into the pulpit with any book but this one, held up his Bible, and don't ever go into the bedroom with any woman other than her, speaking of of my wife. And those words really stuck with me, and my vow that I made to him, which really wasn't anything that I had had uh, thought through. It wasn't anything that I necessarily give to uh, anyone else to say this is something. But for me, I was then able to say when I was in all sorts of situations in ministry where I might have been in a compromising situation if I hadn't uh, watched out, was able to say, I can't do that. I made an ordination vow. The same thing was true when someone asked me about issues of who I would marry, perform their their weddings, and I gave that answer. And I was able then to say to couples who would come and say, why won't you marry us? Well, it's not a personal thing. It's that I'm not going to violate 
what I vowed at my ordination. I found that most people can understand that. And so instead of uh, the, the sorts of ordination councils uh, that we have had um, in, in many places in recent years, which is really just a pro forma, do you believe the Bible, do you believe our confessional statement, and so forth, I really think that formalizing uh, a, a system of vows would be a good thing. We understand the, the power of vows when it comes to marriage, and setting someone apart for, for ministry would be a good time to ask people the sorts of questions that would put them on record and also uh, liberate that uh, future minister of the gospel to be able to serve within the context of the believing community. And that's, that's really what ordination is. Ordination is about the church through representatives of that church laying hands on, setting apart someone to preach God's word and to lead Christ's church, and giving every tool that we can to do that well is, uh, I think, only to the benefit of the church. We, we think about the way that the Apostle Paul would say to Timothy, remember the laying on of hands, remember the confession of Jesus as Lord in that laying on of hands. We should really make ordination the moment in which we really not only help this particular young minister, but we also signal to the rest of the church just how significant and just how important for the whole body of Christ every setting apart for ministry is. This is all of our business. And I think that that's, uh, that's significant and important because one of the things that Mr. Racy, the elderly deacon, meant when he asked me that question was to say to me that my reputation as a preacher of God's Word, as a, someone following the Lordship of Christ, had a direct effect not only on the church ordaining me, Bay Vista Baptist Church in Biloxi, Mississippi, but throughout time the larger body of Christ. How many times have we seen such uh, damage done to the body of Christ by uh, a pastor who loses his biblical moorings, by a pastor who loses his moral moorings? That, that has an influence that is far greater than just the particular church or ministry that he serves. It often breeds a kind of cynicism where people uh, immediately think when they hear someone preaching the word, can I trust you? Because I, I already trusted so-and-so, and I was hurt by that. And so having a sense of moment at the, the setting apart and the ordination of a new minister or pastor can signal to the church, this is not just a professional degree. This is not a group of people who are certifying someone the way that we would uh, if he were taking the bar exam or getting a, a teacher's license. This is your hand as the church of Jesus Christ upon someone who will carry the ministry of this church into the future. And it's a sober, sober realization. I mean, when I, when I look at the names signed on that ordination certificate, I realize my ministry is their ministry. They are the ones who launched me 
into the future, and they understood that they bore a kind of a, a certain accountability, and they also bore responsibility to make sure that they were not unleashing on the church someone who was, uh, who was going to destroy. Now, you can't always be right, and uh, ordination councils are going to get this wrong, and churches are going to get this wrong. And we have, uh, we have pastors who have fallen away from the faith, and we have pastors who have fallen uh, morally and in terms of integrity, and, and we've had pastors who aren't equipped to the task of ministry all the way back to the first century. The Apostle Paul talks about some of that in Philippians chapter 1. In the same way that we have baptized Christians who have fallen away, that's no excuse for taking seriously the task of baptism. And it's no excuse for not taking seriously the task of ordination. So having a time where the, the candidate for ordination not only explains and answers questions to a council, but makes verbal vows and commitments of fidelity to the faith, of uh, guarding and watching his family, of guarding and watching his moral integrity and his accountability is something that could benefit, I think, the entire body of Christ. I, I, I'm glad that I had a wise person in the room who was able to, to throw some questions to me that I, that I answered at that moment that would have been a different sort, it was a different sort of commitment than if he had just asked me out in the hallway someday. And, uh, and I wish that I had had an entire list of things that I would affirm or deny uh, that I could point back to. And I think the same would be true for our future ministers within the church. This is Russell Moore, and you're listening to Signposts.